Welcome to another exciting show with me today. This is me, Vance. And of course, as usual, the coffee is here, but we call it the Kopi in the Singapore style. So I hope everybody there watching right now, so joining us right now, have your cup of coffee ready and join us for this podcast today. So today's podcast is all about sleeping. That's right. You know, we need to sleep. And uh, our guest speaker, who's been coming in very shortly to actually to discuss and we're going to have a great podcast all about sleeping method. But today's main focus will be is insomnia. What is insomnia? It's defined as difficulty falling sleeping, you know, fall asleep. Difficulty, difficulty staying asleep as well or waking up early in the morning, not being able to fall back to sleep. Uh, it's all about sleep, but people with insomnia sleep less or sleep poorly despite having an adequate chance to sleep. So why is this happening, right? And uh, of course, obviously, we are all stressed up. Uh, why? After COVID, now it's pre-COVID, you know, post-COVID already. So you should not be feeling any more stress, right? Um, and of course, uh, a lot of impact has been on our mental health. Um, even just, uh, I think, two days back, or even just today, our our health minister, you know, Ong In Khan has said, that you know, mental health should be one part of the. Uh, it must be inside a healthier SG. So, so much of priority has given into the mental health. Without a further ado, I'm going to invite Doctor S H Wong, who is a psychiatrist. Hello, Doctor. How are you there? Hello. Good evening, Hi. everyone. Hope everyone had a nice dinner. No food coma in the next hour or so. <laughs> so that yeah. is a thanks for <laughs> thanks for inviting me to the show. Thanks. Yeah, I tried to sleep. But you know what? I caught something in your t-shirt. Yes, yes. Yeah. Never give up Important, on your uh, sleeping. Oh my God. This is a topic that we are talking <laughs> about, right? Yes, yes. Very important topic, yes. Yes, Doctor, it's a great pleasure to have you, Doctor. I mean, um, you know, to have you talk a lot of stuff on the sleeping method. And Dr. Asish Wong is not only a psychiatrist, he's also an aviation medicine physician. Doctor, before we jump into the topics for today, uh, sleep, when sleep don't come, uh, you want to do a quick introduction about yourself so that our viewers will know who we are for our guest speaker today. Sure, sure. Thanks. Uh, thanks for giving me the opportunity. Yeah, I'm, I'm, uh, I started off training as an aviation medicine physician uh, with the Air Force. And I've actually just retired last year. Uh, recently started out on my own practice, uh, doing what I love most. Uh, and of course, when I was in public service, I've been uh, quite uh, actively involved with uh, Singapore General Hospitals. Uh, and I have been working with the sleep disorders unit uh, over the past 10 or more odd years. Uh, so sleep is my interest, uh, partly because of my work with the Air Force where sleep is very important, fatigue-related issues, where flight safety is concerned. Yeah. So uh, I hope to be able to share some of these uh, things that I learned through the years. You know, doctor, there was a great introduction about self. But you know, when we when we talk about sleep, I mean, isn't it sleep is one of the easiest factor, right? I mean, somebody sleeps, you know, you can see people sleeping in the bus, people sleeping in bus stops. And, you know, sleep is something that is very common, very uh, something not unusual, very usual for us. But despite having this, um, this word insomnia, and what happens when we sleep? Because that is the first thing that I'm going to engage you on this. Mm, is mm. sleep very important, doctor? Oh, it is extremely important. We spend one third of our life sleeping, actually, if you think about it, on average eight hours out of the 24 hours per day. Uh, and I think for the purpose of sleep, uh, okay, it's, it's a complex science, very new. Uh, clinical sleep medicine has been around maybe only since the 1960s. So one of the younger uh, you know, uh, aspects of medicine that we know about. Uh, and, and from what we know so far, sleep has a very important physiological role uh, in everyone's lives. Uh, and if you were to put it simply, it, it, is, it is a way for our body, our brain, our mind to recover from the hard work uh, that we have put in in the first 16 hours of the day. Yeah. Uh, and if 
from what we know so far, mm, importantly, uh, when we do sleep, uh, the interesting fact is that actually in the first half of the night when we sleep, right, that's where the body uh, repairs itself. Right. Uh, lots of things are going on, hormones are secreted, certain other things are suppressed. Uh, that's why, you know, interestingly, uh, if you ask any Chinese ama, uncle, uh, they will tell you, hey, little children, please go to bed early, otherwise you cannot grow tall. And there yeah. is some truth to it because uh, actually a lot of the growth or repair happens in the first half of the night. And, and in children, uh, especially because growth hormones uh, are, are typically released in the first half of the night. So if you neglect that part and you miss the window, uh, then you have very tough children. Uh. Yeah. I, I, I don't know how much statistic is there to back this up, but yeah, yeah it makes sense, you know. Uh, but importantly, in the second half of the night, uh, uh, a lot of people don't realize this, is that uh, that's where the mind uh, actually re re repairs itself, recovers itself. Uh, that's where, in fact, the, the big part, uh, big proportion of dream sleep, uh, or what we call rapid eye movement sleep, REM sleep, is uh is happening and REM sleep despite us calling it sleeping right but it's actually a very active process um i always use this analogy uh when i do my teaching or give uh, some public talks this analogy about dream sleep because interestingly a lot of uh people would complain oh doc i dream 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 a lot i feel very tired i feel as though i never sleep you know and, and is it a bad thing? Actually, dreaming is a good thing. So in this analogy, in, uh, in dreaming means that you, you actually have achieved deep sleep. You know? Because REM sleep, you know? we, we, we consider it as part of the deeper part of sleep, uh, even though it's an active process. But the, in, in my analogy, I use a uh, computer hard disk. You know those of us who are you know, studying when we were in the 1980s, 1990s, huh? Uh, computers mm. used to have this hard disk that spins, right? And if you are familiar, if you are familiar with computers, huh, uh, you will recall in Windows 95, 98, huh, and if you are using such hard disk, right, you realize that after a while, right, your computer runs slower and slower and sometimes it hangs. And then what do you need to do? You need to go into the menu and do a defragmentation. When this happens, uh, what the hard disk actually do is to reorganize the data that is stored inside, right? To pack it up into a very efficient way of retrieving information. And then all those deleted files are chucked away, right? So similarly, in theory, in theory yeah, RAM state is something like this, where, where you know the events of the day, things that you remember and memory of things uh, throughout the day and, and memory, does not just include information, it also includes emotional memory, it includes sensory memory, what you smell, how you feel, and so on. And that's the period where the brain sort all these things out. Not useful things, they'll then be organized into the long-term memory. All the rubbish, things you don't like, don't wish to remember, you chuck it up. Right? So when you have a nice dream, that's where all these things happen. And you realize that uh, sometimes if you do wake up early, right? For example, you know, you're a late sleeper or you sleep early, but you have to get up early to do something, right? You realize that if you miss the second half of the night, uh, uh, although your body has sufficiently recovered quite a bit, uh, you realize that, hey, why am I thinking a bit slow today? I feel a bit dumber. My IQ points drop one or two, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah, so, so it's, it's partly because that we have just deprived ourselves of that REM sleep that is right. doing all this brain recovery or mind recovery, so to speak. Yeah. Right, right. So in short, that's what sleep does. Yeah. It's, it's a quite an amazing thing what you said, you know, we, we need to sleep mm. in order for the deleted files, you know, the body get repairs, right? Uh, but yeah. we, we live in Asia, especially we Singaporeans, we always want to get the first thing done. You know, when, when something launched, we all be the first to line up and kind of stuff. So we, we have this mentality of, you know, doing everything fast and quickly and, you know, work longer and work harder. 
So are we mm. any kind of health issue pertaining in the next decade or even the next few years if we don't have a proper eight hours to ten hours of sleep or rest? Okay, on average, we all sleep, uh, you know, six to nine hours. That's what happens to most people. Uh, but I, when you, what you are talking about is uh, what happens uh, if we get uh, sleep deprivation or chronic sleep restriction. And obviously, it is going to uh, incur quite uh, a significant amount of impact uh, on the body as well as the mind. So let's talk about the body first. Uh. Chronic sleep deprivation actually has uh, many, many impact uh, effects on the body. Uh, it has been shown uh, in various studies that if you were to, uh, you know, not be getting enough sleep either to, you know, voluntarily and behaviorally, you know, you've been doing things, bedtime procrastination and so on. Right. Or if you have uh, insomnia or disrupted sleep for whatever reason, uh, be it uh, from an illness or, or, you know, stress, or maybe, uh, you know, you work a lot at night. So all this impact on the body uh, is that uh, you end up with chronic inflammation. Right, chronic inflammation, your hormones, uh, you know, uh, 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 metabolism, and all those goes out of whack. Uh, so if hmm. cortisol level also goes up when you don't have enough sleep. Uh, yeah, that's part of the the physiological stress on the body yeah. if you are not giving it the opportunity to rest or to recover. Right. So good as good good. Good point that you make there because uh, one of the common sleep disorder in Asians especially, uh, and then in, in Singapore, it has been found that about three to ten, three in ten persons have this condition called obstructive sleep apnea. And yeah. yeah, and this causes a lot of sleep disruptions. And it it ends up that uh, you know it triggers a lot of physiological changes in the body which eventually leads to insomnia. Because we all know that patients with sleep apnea, right? Their typical symptoms would be snoring, I'm waking up. Although I slept, but I wake up feeling unrefreshed, I'm sleepy all, all the time, tired all the time, lack of energy. And that's because of the disruption in the sleep, right? And over time, this disruption causes a lot of stress on the body, which leads to then uh, cortisol, uh, elevated cortisol levels, inflammation and so on, which then lead on to insomnia. So mm. starting off with sleep apnea, you can actually end up with chronic insomnia and right. a lot of other uh, uh, complications such as obesity, metabolic syndrome, you know, putting on weight, uh, get higher risk of heart attacks and strokes and so on. Yeah. So, so doctor, uh, this seems like a uninvited guess. But these invited guests are just coming into your life just because we have not solved one issue, but it leads mm. to so many varieties and variations of health conditions to come in. Wow, that's yes. scary. Yes, and importantly, right, when you start having chronic insomnia, you feel miserable. You can't focus at work. You make right. mistakes. Uh, you screw up here and there. More stress piles up, and then you become someone who has a higher risk of depression, anxiety, and so on. And so, so they're all interrelated. Thank you, doctor, for giving us a, such yeah. an in-depth uh, explanation on that and why, what happens when we sleep. But before we move on to the next uh, segments of questions to engage Dr. S.H. Wong, but to the viewers right now, uh, if you can just do one favor for all of us, for the both of us, in fact, for every one of us, if you can just press the share button on your Facebook or if you're watching it from YouTube or even from uh, Spotify, press the share button and send it to many people to your friends, to your families, as much as possible, because I think this is a topic where we really want to go in depth. And I think with Dr. S.H. Wong's uh, expertise on as being a psychiatrist, as an aviation medicine specialist or as physician, we are going to engage him with a lot of questions. So please ask questions if you have, but at the same time, please do share and like as well, because we want to get great awareness to many people as possible. 
Doctor, as we move on, um, especially on the elder generations, right? As we turn 30, mm. 40, you know, we tend to lose a bit yes. of energy, you know, we tend to hype up, you know, hype down, in fact. And then we get tired. And, you know, if let's say if I want to go uh, a function in the evening, probably I have to sleep for five or six hours before I can attend the evening. You know, so there is this physiological changes that happen to our body and getting tired and easily. But mm. another side of problem is they can't sleep. Mm. So, yeah. why yeah. do older adults experience more sleep problems? Ah, okay. Good, good uh, question. Uh, in fact, if you notice, uh, all our ama ape uh, uh, at home, right? Uh, if you notice, uh, with age, yeah, once they hit their 60s, 70s, uh, you notice that uh, they always complain that uh, they are waking up too early, they feel tired, they start taking a lot of naps in the day. So, part of the reason actually is the natural change in the way we sleep right and we know for a fact that with age sleep tends to be getting shorter and the amount of deep sleep right deep sleep including dream sleep also gets less in terms of uh, 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 quantity now part uh, uh, one of the reason is because with age right melatonin secretion uh, becomes less and less Right, you know, in our uh, brain, uh, we we actually have a, a, a hormone that's called melatonin, which is uh, meant to coordinate uh, all the functions in the body according to the body clock, uh, circadian rhythm, and this is the it's like a they are like a messenger uh, from the brain to tell the rest of the body what to do at the same time to coordinate timings, and melatonin itself is uh, also something that uh contributes right, to being able to have more uh deep sleep or dream sleep the deeper part of the sleep but with age right this level starts to drop and at or about 50 odd years old mm -hmm. right it drops to almost you know almost uh, negligible uh, uh levels and therefore it, that explains why as we age right sleeps also tends to get shorter, it feels lighter, we keep waking up easily, a little bit of noise wakes us up and we get very frustrated. And then if you're tired in the day, then we start sleeping in the day, taking naps here and there. Now, the other aspect to age is that with age, uh, other aspects of physiology also changes, especially in ladies. Right? And we'll see that many ladies who come to see me right, for problem of insomnia, very often you'll find that, uh, you know, their insomnia problem seems to start round at about the time uh, they, are, they are about perimenopausal. So that's where a lot of uh, hormonal fluctuations happen. The estrogen levels drop and this and that. And, and that triggers uh, a lot of these sleep issues. So with age, there are changes in the body that we cannot avoid. And, and we just have to uh, keep our fingers crossed. Hopefully it doesn't affect us too much but of course as far as possible uh, if we were to maintain good sleep hygiene good sleep practices we can possibly mitigate some of these uh, uh, issues yeah you know doctor let me just uh, share a, a read up that i did over years ago um so there was this many years back i think in the some countries i don't want to mention they did a sleep study they put someone in. I'm sure if you have heard about it, uh, correct me if, if I get it a mistake. There. They put somebody inside the, the prisoners and then they locked it up the room and then they make these people don't fall asleep, right? They don't make them sleep by putting in certain gases and all that. And eventually yes. they turn into uh, some sort of... Zombie. Uh, yeah, because they never <laughs> sleep for so many days. Uh-huh. Yes. The real question is, talk. I mean, if we, we we're just talking about sleep deprivation, right? I mean, if you're not mm. sleeping eight hours, you're only sleeping five hours, three hours. Mm. If it accumulates mm. over a period of one week or two weeks, what will exactly happen, doc? The body will fail, right? I mean, of course, okay. we don't have mm. blood pressures and all yeah. that will go up. Your your HBA one C, you know, everything just go shoots up. But what exactly mm. happens if if let's say if one week I don't have a sleep? Okay, I don't know about one week. I think after three days, I'm half dead already. <laughs> <laughs> but okay, yeah. But but yeah, if you we are talking about sleep deprivation, actually, uh, interestingly, coming from my work in the Air Force, because I deal with aircrew pilots, huh, and safety is a 
important thing. Work-life cycle is an important thing. And a lot of my uh, work goes into this area about fatigue. And, and, and one of those knowledge I gleam uh, in, my, in my earlier days uh, is that, do you know that after about spending 16 hours uh, a week, uh, beyond which our brain performance, uh, right, coordination, thinking, judgment, and so on, uh, you'll be beyond 16 hours of staying awake, you actually would be performing all these tasks as though you are legally drunk, right? Blood alcohol level is equal equivalent to 0 0.08 uh, milligram per liter, uh, deciliter. Uh, so you are performing at a legally drunk kind of state, uh, beyond which obviously you know what's going to happen, right? But of course, uh, as mentioned earlier, uh, the functions of sleep. First is the body repair. Second is the mind repair, right? And we know, uh, I, I, okay, I, I cannot remember in details, but we do know that with, as we, the, the longer we stay awake, the body starts to undergo a lot of stress, right? Your muscle feel weaker. There's a lot of changes in the metabolism. Uh, but interestingly for the mind is even more critical. Right, beyond a certain stage, you know, you know the Subaru challenge. Eh? Uh, some of them actually, right? Uh, yeah, Subaru challenge. Some of them actually start to hallucinate. Right, so because yeah. the brain haven't quite got rid of some of those rubbish that we were talking about, right? And then uh, things get a bit messy. You start mm -hmm. to have abnormal uh, uh, experiences, perceptions, and so on. You can't think straight. You get micro sleep. You get hallucination and some even you know uh, start to have uh, you know psychotic symptoms even yeah and of course uh, there are cases where you know chronic sleep deprivation some things that uh, you, you can even uh, drop dead from a sudden death uh, because of the various stresses that's going on mm -hmm. thankfully we don't have a lot of such cases or at least we don't know about it yeah <laughs> <laughs> thank you doctor Doctor, at this yeah. moment, I'm going to take one question from one of our viewers. Um, so we have mm. Audrey here. So Audrey has asked, like, is it common for people to just, you know, they move right when they speak, like falling from the sky or like without a parachute, you know, you feel that kind of just sudden feeling of failing or falling ah, in their sleep. Falling is. Yes, yes, yes indeed. Uh, okay, good, good uh, observation. Uh, actually, this is what, what she has described is uh, hypnic jokes. Hypnic jokes. Right, and typically this happens when we are about to fall asleep, when we are transiting from awake to the lighter stages of sleep, and this is fairly common, right? Uh, but there are also jerks that happens uh, during sleep itself, uh, and and it, there's a condition which we call periodic limb movement disorders, right? Or the other term is myoclonus, nocturnal myoclonus, where uh, you know, the, 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 the uh, nervous stimulation triggers muscular activity and, and, and ends up uh, that uh, a patient with this condition will have lots of leg movement. Typically, it's not so drastic as jerks, but they right. can uh, end up with some uh, unknown injuries and uh, wake up with bruises and so on. And then, of course, there are, there's another more extreme condition which we call RBD. RBD stands for uh, REM sleep behavior disorder. This is when there's some desync dis between the stages of sleep uh, because during dream sleep, the body, the brain paralyzes the body, right? So that we do not end up enacting our dreams. It's a protective mechanism. So the body is paralyzed. We are dreaming, right? And so that we don't end up... Uh, 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 running around, you know, or hitting things because we might be dreaming that we are fighting some monster and we might end up hitting ourselves again, the door, uh, the bed frame, right. or we might end up whacking uh, our bed partners yeah, right? yeah. and then get arrested. Uh, uh, yeah. Or so, doing so, all uh, other funny things. Doctor, mm. like what you say, right? uh, involuntary yeah. movements, uh, because yes. when we are sleeping, it is as equal as a coma. It's just that uh, it is like a coma. It's just that we are breathing autonomous, which is a part of the brain. It's just continually breathing and, you know, gas exchange in the lung capacities and all those stuff. But 
involuntary yeah. movement that day we started you know sometimes you feel like you're falling like you have explained yeah. so yeah. well so now we know our yeah. viewers what exactly these symptoms are um mm. for those viewers who are just watch uh just came in and just hearing our podcast we are from kopi with vans and today with me is dr sh wong he is also the psychiatrist as well as an aviation medicine physician we having a great conversation with him if you do have a question to engage please do ask us and we try to take this question as much as we can and in the meantime if you are watching this please do share and like uh, because very interesting topic for not first time happening for the past 3 years uh, is happening in copy events all about health talks topics and with experts and professors and doctors like sh wong right so we i do have more questions that's coming in uh, just hang on um, i have a few more questions that's coming in but i'm also going to engage uh, dr sh wong on a little bit more on sleeping pills uh dr we hear about sleeping pills you know um mm. sometimes because we're going to go a little bit more on the psychology part but sometimes stress anxiety depression also can cause us a lot of issues as well in insomnia and kind of stuff in your work um as a psychiatrist i'm sure you have seen these cases very much more but insomnia doesn't seems to go away i'm keep seeing my gp for sleeping pills and they are always very stingy about it thinking about it but mm. you know something that like sweet you know it's very dangerous if it's overly consumed um is it safe to use sleeping pills doc okay for for sleeping pills um i would say that uh, appropriate use is very useful uh, because in insomnia by and large i would say most people or if not all would have experienced insomnia at some point in your life right Uh, if you, if you tell me you never had insomnia before i think you're lying to yourself yeah. right now if by and large most insomnias whichever trigger it may be generally uh, would be short lived right usually because of certain stressful situation or you know work related and and so on and even if you were to do nothing most of them would you know uh, resolve on its own but sometimes it get a little bit tricky a bit prolonged and 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 uh, the use of sleeping pills would be actually helpful because there are a certain uh, category of patients especially uh, the kanjong type uh, you know the anxious worry all the time over thing generally they they are more vulnerable to moving on to what i would say as a, a, a chronic form of insomnia why because when they are acute insomnia is not resolved right they start getting anxious about getting insomnia itself right and then it becomes a vicious cycle they worry about getting insomnia the more they worry the more they cannot sleep and then it goes on and on so in 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 this type of patients early intervention with a appropriate use of sleeping pills is okay because you break that cycle and then they can get back on to their normal lives again but if you end up in a situation with chronic insomnia then generally the use of sleeping pills on a long term basis become a little bit more tricky why because uh, those uh, you know the legit uh, uh, the, 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 the typical kind of sleeping pills we are talking about falls under the class of what we call benzodiazepine so you have drugs like valium uh, ativan uh, domicum even right and these are a potentially very addictive type of substance if you use it on a prolonged basis especially if you were to use it on a daily basis so there lies the risk so the key thing to addressing you know the whether or not you should be using sleeping pills or not depends on actually what is the underlying cause for you having chronic insomnia because chronic insomnia can be a result of many many issues right uh, stress is only one of them there could be a uh, uh, underlying psychiatric uh, disorder that is developing or evolving you could have underlying medical problems uh, for example sleep apnea is one of them or you can have other medical conditions or their treatment that may be contributing to insomnia so take for example someone who is asthmatic very common eh? as in asthma you know you're going to have a lot of breathing difficulties discomfort distress your body is under stress difficult to sleep worse you know when you start treating 
the insomnia, uh, the asthma, uh, commonly with uh, you know steroids, use of steroids. You use uh, you know those inhalers, uh, and inhalers contains usually what we call sympathomimetics, right? It's a stimulating kind of medication that can cause insomnia itself. So there are a lot of lot of conditions that can give rise to insomnia. Other common causes could be pain symptoms from, you know, rheumatism, uh, you have some injury, or, you know, certain other conditions that causes a lot of chronic pain that can also affect the sleep. So, so important thing is you want to address what is the underlying condition. Because yeah. if you treat the root cause, then insomnia will improve. But if you keep treating the insomnia uh, without addressing the root cause, then you mm. end up creating potentially a new problem. Now you become dependent or addicted to hypnotics. Yeah. So that's one of the risks. So it's important that if you have chronic insomnia, you should get it evaluated uh, as soon as possible so that you reduce this risk of exposing yourself to another problem. Yeah. Thank you, doctor. Thank you for that. And uh, we're going to take one question from one of the viewers here, uh, Adeline Ho. Um, she stated that if you say it is a good to dream, but why do I feel more tired after a sleep with many dreams? She feel exhausted uh -huh. after lots uh -huh. of dreams. Okay. Uh, interesting. Okay. Unfortunately, I can't put up any diagrams here, but uh, this has got to do with the sleep architecture. When we say sleep architecture, you know, when we go into cycles of sleep, Generally, we go into the stage one, stage two, which is a lighter sleep. And then we go into the deeper sleep, which is stage three or dream sleep. Now, interestingly, the dream sleep part, uh, the rapid eye movement sleep, happens uh, at the transition uh, between deep sleep and awake state. Awake state. That's why uh, you notice, uh, and uh, earlier on, I mentioned that dream sleep, the bulk of it happens in the later half of the night, usually closer to morning. And hence, very often you realize that if you wake up from a dream, it's morning already. Okay, and and this transition period is uh, important if you have frequent or a lot of dreams. And most often than not, uh, most people will feel okay, right? Some may not even remember uh, the contents of the dream. They may remember dreaming, but they may not remember what goes on in the dream. So the critical part is whether these dreams are causing awakenings. So if these dreams throughout the night, if it happens frequently and causing awakenings, then obviously it, you, you get sleep fragmentation. And it's a bit more troublesome if you have problem getting back to sleep again. Most of us should not have this problem. You know, you drift in and out of your dreams. And usually that's not the issue. Uh, worst case is that if you have a lot of nightmares and that's can, that can be very distressing, causes a lot of uh, arousal, and that can also affect uh, how you feel the next day. Then next question to ask, uh, why are you having so much dreams? Uh, right? Generally, when someone has too much dreams, uh, we start to think about whether there's an underlying problem. Uh. Very often, stress can cause that. In fact, sleep deprivation can cause uh, what we call a REM rebound. That means you have a rebound of the amount of sleep uh, dreams that you have, right? Or if you have underlying uh, psychiatric conditions such as depression or anxiety, that can also uh, give rise to a lot of these uh, dreams that are causing a lot of distress. Thank you, Doctor. I'm back again. So, yeah, Doctor, I mean, um, you are from a Stardust Sleep Center. And I also just looking at it at the moment right now. Um, you actually do provide a lot of um, um, multidisciplinary sleep clinics specializing in insomnia, snoring, sleep apnea, sleep disorder as well. I mean, of course, you're also providing uh, clinical services that is also adult general psychiatry consult, stress-related mood anxiety disorders, and agent treatment for irritable bowel and syndrome and chronic pain. Doctor, uh, I mean, when we say the word psychiatric, um, mm. people get scared. Um, yeah. Probably, probably <laughs> you know, people think that, you know, if I'm going to see a psychiatric, probably if I'm going to have a coffee with you, um, mm. the judgment and the label seems to be very, 
uh, very cru- not very crucial, but very direct. Mm-hmm. How can one can overcome this? Because if let's say if you know someone is having a genuine problem or sleeping and they want to get you know themselves mm-hmm. checked out, you know, of course the loved ones are there to support and all that. But if you know mm-hmm. in a corporate company, if someone know that you have visited a psychiatry, probably they mm-hmm. they label you. So how? I mean, it, it, it's still you know it, it's still a stigma right now. Yes, yes, indeed. There's a still a lot of stigma, unfortunately, uh, especially in the Asian population, uh, to 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 be thought of having some uh, uh, mental uh, weaknesses or conditions, right? So, so it is a, indeed a barrier for people to to seek help, lah. But I see it both ways, uh, because uh, if you are to have the problem of insomnia, right? Very often. Uh, wherever you go to to be GP or polyclinic, uh, you you end up being referred to a psychiatrist anyway, and there's a reason why uh, they get referred to psychiatrists because uh, apart from what I mentioned earlier, that there are many many conditions that causes insomnia. Uh, common causes of insomnia typically falls in the 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 you know category of uh, psychological distress, be it depression, which is very common or anxiety, even more common, especially after COVID. And, and I see a lot, a lot of patients with uh, uh, anxiety. But having said that, it doesn't mean that if you are feeling depressed down a little bit here and there, or feeling anxious, tense, uh, it, it, it doesn't mean that you you, you, you have a, a disorder, so to speak, because we, 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 we are humans, right? Uh, our, med, our mood cannot remain flat all the time. Right? There are ups, there are downs. As long as it's not causing you too much dysfunction or distress, still living our life as uh, per normal, then it, 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 it shouldn't be a disorder that you need to worry about. But rather, uh, you take this as an po- opportunity to address uh, some of these sleep symptoms that you, you may have. So one of the things that I always tell my colleagues uh, actually is, is, is I'm, I'm glad that I, I put it as a sleep and psychiatry clinic because then I also see sleep problems, right? And it becomes a face-saving way out uh, for some of them who actually have <laughs> mental distress, right? Yeah. So using, it's, it's a door opener, I see. Uh, so I come to see you because I have sleep problems, but oh, it's not so happened that I also feeling a bit down. And, and then it helps open mm-hmm. doors for some of these, right. these uh, uh, patients and, and they get treatment early so that they don't end up actually getting a disorder. Because early intervention often uh, helps quite a bit, yeah. And and as for the other aspect of uh, why seeing a psychiatrist uh, for your sleep problem is because actually, if you look at the brain, if you look at the brain, uh, the areas in the brain that's responsible for the sleep and wake balance, uh, right? The control of whether you're uh, sleepy or you're awake, it occurs in many, many areas of the brain. We call it deep brain nuclei. There are various places that, that these, uh, these are, are, are required. And the medications that we typically use right, to treat insomnia would target some of these areas. And sleeping pills, uh, we call it benzodiazepine, only target one of these areas. Uh, mm-hmm. And this, this is the GABA receptors. And there are many, many other uh, receptors in the brain. For example, the serotonin, uh, uh, dopamine system, there's histamine system, which is why if you take flu tablet or uh, cold tablet uh, for your runny nose, some people use it to get to sleep. Why? Because it's actually targeting the histamine receptors in part of the brain that is part of this whole sleep-wake cycle. And of course, the medications to target all these other centers, serotonin, dopamine, so on and so forth, very often, these are actually uh, what we call psychotropic medications, medicines that psychiatrists commonly and are comfortable in using. Uh, if you were to ask any other specialists or, or, or doctors, uh, they may not be so com- comfortable, uh, you know, uh, playing around or, or using the, such medications. So psychiatrists are the ones who are familiar in using such medication and know the effects and problems. Thank you, Doctor. Uh, I mean, Doctor, we have more questions that's coming in and we are right now 40 minutes into the podcast to so the viewers and to Doctor as well. Uh, we are going to keep it 
the topic for about another 10 more minutes before we, you know, answer another two more or three more questions for the viewers. So if you're watching this, please do press the share and like button because uh, we love to get a lot of awareness for this topic. And the topic is all about why, when sleep doesn't come, all right? And um, we are at uh, Spotify and Apple Podcasts as well. So please do share and like so that it can reach out to many people. Um, I'm going to take another one more question. But before that, Doctor, we call mm. the dose, all right? Dose, D-O-S-E, dopamine, oxytocin, serotonin, and E for endorphins. Certain of these hormones, uh, if let's say if I want to have a reward system, you know, I reward myself a gift, you know, my dopamine achieves maybe a little bit, you know, I feel good, I feel happy. If I want to feel the endorphins, I go and exercise. Um, you know, if I want to be loved, you know, I go and hug my wife or hug my dog. You know, of course, you don't hug strangers. Uh, but, you know, you know, love, massage, you know, you go and have your good food. You know, all these things, actually, your hormones, you feel the happy hormones do goes up. But generally, do you think, Doc, is good enough or why some people, even when they exercise or whether they do, you know, all these things I mentioned, they probably they don't even feel hype up. Is there a real issue or we need to address that? Oh, it depends on the degree where it's hyped up, right? Uh, 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 put it this way, uh, if you were to be getting a high from uh, exercising, running a lot, for example, when I was younger, I used to run five kilometers every day. Right. And the moment I stop, I get a withdrawal and I feel a bit uncomfortable, edgy, you know. So over time, there's some adaptation, you know, you get desensitized. Uh, and, and so it really depends on the degree of the changes. On and off, you know, something ha happy happens, you know, uh, someone show you some affection, or you get a kick, you feel good, and then maybe you sleep better than night. But if, if every day is the same, right, nothing has changed, then whether or not it's good enough, uh, that begs the question. And of course, the other thing is that sometimes if you really have an underlying issue, right, even doing uh, things that usually help. So like, for example, in your case, endorphin release from good exercise yeah. and, and, and whichever else, uh, sometimes may not be enough because the power arising from the underlying problem is just too much. Mm -hmm for you to 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 you know overwhelm this difficulty yeah then then that is where uh, you know you start to notice oh okay you know this becoming a trend not sleeping well and so on yeah wow Dr. The, human body, uh, the human body is such an amazing because i think uh wow i mean you know we have different specialization on different part of the body you know the brain lungs heart kidney liver legs orthopedics psychiatrists psychologists so many stuff the body is I mean, I'm sure, Doc, even as, as as we speak, the medical science is still evolving. Something new is happening. Something is, you know, evolving all the time. It's such a amazing to know this small human body that we call life has so much of aspect into life as well. Amazing, isn't it? Um, Complex. <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, another thing, Doctor, because, you know, we, we talked this earlier, I know, um, anxiety, depression can cause insomnia as well. Mm, um, yes. Sometimes, you know, love, you know, you have a love breakage or marriage, you know, you got some mm, issues mm, and that. Mm. You know, some people can't sleep because that to be affecting them as well. So that can actually, you know, uh, make an impact on insomnia. But because they're not having sleep, other medical issues can come in as well. So I did, earlier on, I mentioned yeah. that all these uninvited guests are coming in, like, you know, heart issues, liver issues, because you're not having sleep. So much of things are happening as well. Um, how do we know, Doc, that, you know, that I need medical attention? Because that's where we are going to go in. And is it that, you know, we talked about this, that I only have difficulty sleeping, not mentally sick. We talk about that. But is there no. something that we can talk about in terms of when and what? when and why I should need medical attention. Right. So important thing is to know and be aware of what is normal sleep, right? Earlier on, I mentioned about, you know, on average, most people sleep six to nine hours. Uh, but when you know, when, when you start having problems, typically what are the ones that concerns a person, right? Insomnia, actually, as you rightly put, right? If you, you start having problems getting to sleep, having problems staying asleep, or you start getting up way too early. And that's not the end of the story, actually. The, the other important aspect is that 
you start to become dysfunctional. It affects your day after, right? You can't focus. Your you 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 start making mistakes. You fall asleep. You get into accidents. Dysfunction is the key thing. Uh, when we know that this is becoming a problem. Now, as for that's just more in terms of the severity uh, of the of the insomnia. But uh, you also need to know how uh, extensive would it be. Well, as I mentioned earlier, most of the time when we get insomnia, it's a very acute short-term problem. Most of the time, it goes away after a few days. Sometimes it stretches to a week, two weeks. On and off, it comes back again. But you, you know it becomes a problem and it starts affecting your daily life. It affects your relationship with others because you know if you don't sleep enough, you become grouchy, irritable, you snap at people, uh, or you start become withdrawn, uh, don't talk to people, you get moody, uh, or, or, or you, you start getting into altercations. Right? Now, when, when this dysfunction, the impact occurs, and you know that this insomnia now starts to stretch too long for its own good. When we say too long, what do we mean? Typically, beyond a month, four weeks, or by diagnostic criteria, when we say chronic insomnia, uh, we are talking about three months or longer. And interestingly, most people don't seek help for insomnia, right? Very often I get patients coming to me uh, having suffered uh, for at least one or more years of insomnia before they seek help. Yeah, so it's very common for people to, uh, 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 in a way, seek help late or stay away. Uh, for whatever reason, it may be in the stigma or whatsoever. So, so anything that affects you beyond a period of four weeks or more continuously, right, or longer, and it is starting to impact your daily life, I think that's about time that you should uh, start looking for help. Uh, and and the, uh, before, you know, it starts to uh, produce other effects, uh, be it physically, or, or something related to mental health. Yeah. Doctor, well, you said and you put it on the table um, because these are signs and symptoms. Um, you know, people tend to always say that, oh, you know, burnout, you know, I just need to go and relax myself and I come back again. No, because burnout is like a consistent thing that's happened if you're in a unhappy environment, um, mm. you know, politics and whatever issue that you may be, someone in the company and then every day you're coming back with burden and, and then eventually fall into a burnout quickly. So if they don't address the mm. issue or if the loved mm. ones there are not able to find these signs and symptoms, uh, that is mm. where the major problems are going to come in because if it hits you, uh, yeah. probably then it will be too late. So quickly we have to identify ourselves. Um, I often say this in my talks, uh, even in my podcast, doctor. I mean, we always need to turn mm. inwards. We need to do a reality check. Uh, to check ourselves, mm. are we fine? Are we okay? Are we tired? Are we, you know, mm. maybe we are agitated? Maybe we take two days or three days, you know, are you feeling full of happiness mm -hmm. or anger? So to release yes, these yes. Uh, emotions as well in the same time to do a reality check. Um, Dr. S.H. Yes. Wong is from the Stardust Sleep Center. His uh, address is there, the website address, www.shwongsleepych.com. So if you do need to contact him, please do. Um, doctor, I'm going to take one more question here. And then after that, we were going to end this talk show. Um, we, we, this is not something to do with insomnia, but I think most who go for travels, uh, UK mm, or mm. You know, Eastern European and all those kind of you know, the, the time zone get a wire. Then you mm. come back and one week you fall under like you're watching the ceiling and trying to count the stars outside your window. Then you fall asleep at 7 a.m. And then your yeah, whole yeah. pattern changes for one week. How can we tackle jet lag or to beat it? Ah, okay, okay. It's a challenging question. <laughs> <laughs> because, uh, you know, um, you know, there are some people who are just more prone to jet lag than others. And there are some that, you know, jet lag never is a bother for them. So unfortunately, if you fall into the group where, you know, your, your, your body clock doesn't quite adjust quick enough, then it can be potentially quite a challenging situation. But uh, just for common knowledge, uh, if, if you have a choice to plan the way you fly, uh, you know, across time zones, right? Just remember that it's, it's, it's going to be easier, right? It's going to be easier for you to adapt to jet lag, right? If, if you were to be flying westwards, towards London, right? But if you were to be flying eastwards, 
right, towards California, for example, right, it gets a bit more tricky because I put it to you this way. Is it easier for you to try and stay awake or is it easier for you to try to get to sleep when it's not time yet? When it's the time is easier to, yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's much easier to try and stay awake, right? So westward is always easier because you, you, you just have to, you know, stay away, you know, tire yourself out and hopefully it helps at least for the first 48 hours after you arrive at the destination. Yeah. But, Thereafter, you know, everyone is equal. You know, you you would still have uh, the synchrony with the right. with the body clock or the circadian rhythm. So one way that we can try to accelerate uh, uh, the adjustment to the local time wherever you are traveling to is the use of melatonin supplements. Mm. That's that's the the uh, simplest way to to do it. Uh, and apart from uh, making adjustments to your your daily activities because when where where you reach uh, the the destination as far as possible you try to stick to the local cultural routines so if breakfast is at what time lunch is at what time you try and follow as much as possible if you intend to stay there for at least a couple of days so that your body clock has time to adapt by and large our natural clock would be able to adjust itself. Uh, based on the local time, by one hour per day, one hour per one to two days, there, thereabouts, right? And and it, it is made easier if you were to use melatonin. And and melatonin, the way to use it, actually, you don't need a very high dose, right? Sometimes 0.51 milligram more than suffice. You just take it uh, about 8 p.m. at night, yeah? because that's when the natural uh, release of uh, melatonin hormones from the brain uh, commences when the sun goes down. So you try to replicate what the body normally does. So you try to trick the brain that, oh, you are already adapted to whichever local time, uh, that time zone that, that where you are situated. So that would help accelerate uh, the, the, the changes or adaptation a little bit faster. Yeah. But after all, you still need the, the amount of time required. <laughs> I mean, uh, you know, the last trip that I went, you know, uh, ah. to Zurich, and um, I, I, I can't sleep there for five days, the first five days. Mm. And then I reached to Singapore. Uh, it took me about almost about six days, you know, uh, sleeping time, I'm eating, mm. eating time, I'm walking, walking time, I'm supposed to do something. So everything is AY. So to get back to yeah. the body to adjust to our our, our time zone, uh, I, I, indeed, it's a challenge. Yeah. Right. Yes, Thank you, Doctor. Yes, yes. Um, yes no Dr. Wong is from the Stardust Sleep Center. Um, just now I missed the P. So it's www.shwongsleepsych.com. So you can actually look him up yeah. in his website to get to know more if you need any additional because this is all um, no names mentioned here. Uh, right, Doctor. Yeah. I mean, I'm just going to take the last two questions from the viewers. Then after that, we are coming to the end of the show. So we first uh, question we're going to take in from Audrey Chan. Is it is it a concern to have this rhythmic feet movement in toes while sleeping occurs in short series with few seconds in between? Okay. It depends uh, when does this movement occurs because there's a slight difference. Huh? Uh, earlier on, I mentioned about periodic limb movement disorder, right? And that happens when you're actually asleep. And most people would not notice this. But what if you are noticing all these movements uh, in yourself, right, rather than your big partner, then actually we are talking about restless leg syndrome. Right? There's this condition called restless leg syndrome. More common in, in childhood, gets better with age. And then very often uh, when ladies get, uh, uh, during their pregnancy, they also tend to experience this uh, more often. So basically you get this, very uncomfortable sensation in your legs. Uh, you, some call it aches, some call it twitching, some feels crawling sensation and so on. And essentially, uh, uh, the person who suffers from this, you just need to keep moving your legs. You need to move, move around. You can't really you know, keep still. Uh, and the more movement you have, it feels better. And usually this causes problems when you're trying to get to sleep. 
right? And there are treatment for it. And, and there we typically will need to screen for any underlying problems such as uh, iron deficiency uh, or renal, renal diseases sometimes can give rise to this. So that's restless leg syndrome. But if it's something that you notice in your bed partner when they're sleeping and there's this twitching or, you know, curling or moving of the legs, and that's more likely a periodic limb movement disorder as mentioned earlier. And again, there are treatment for it. Yeah. So uh, the, the, the key thing is, uh, is that this potentially can cause a very poor sleep quality. And a common complaint is that, uh, you know, the, the a patient would complain about uh, still feeling unrefreshed or tired in the day, even though they thought they had slept very well that, the night before. Yeah. So these are some of the features. Thank you, doctor. Thank you. Thank you for the um, question, Hori. I'm going to take the last one for the day and then our topic and our podcast is going to come to the end. Um, thank you, doctor, for engaging with us for the past 56 minutes. And um, a very quick one to all the viewers. Thank you so much for those almost more than 30 old viewers who are joining us earlier on. If you're watching this, please do share and like as well so that we can spread out to all the social media friends and families and loved ones who may need help. Because right now, it seems like a lot of people are not sleeping well or having issues which can be identified, which can be solved as well. Um, I just read some articles just one or two days back. Our Minister of Health, Mr. Ong Inkan, has mentioned that mental health should be in the healthier SG as well. Uh, so it is becoming a priority that our mind, body, physical is a must to keep it healthy, you know, to prevent, you know, prevent and in interventions are very important. Uh, but if we don't bother about them, but then they come and attack us, then by then it is not too late, but it can be avoided. So please do share and like so that we can reach out to many more people out there. Uh, last question for the day. Uh, Stella Lee, thank you for the question, Stella. How to deal with the after effects of insomnia, especially on a daily work? Uh -huh. uh, how to deal with the... Yeah. After effects, which means what? Falling asleep. I think you need a bunch of coffee if necessary. <laughs> get exercise. Get uh, bright sunlight if you can early in the morning, preferably. Just that also helps to anchor your, your circadian rhythm, body clock. Because otherwise, there's a tendency that you might uh, you know change routines, net more in the day, which further disrupts the sleep at night. Yeah. So So trying to keep to a regular routine would help. And of course, to function at work, you know, you, you do whatever means you can get coffee, power naps, and, and staying mm -hmm. uh, focused on the job, take more frequent breaks, and get help if you need. Yeah, that's, that's general uh, advice that I would recommend. Yeah. Thank you, Doctor, and thank you, Stella Lee, for the question and for the answers, Doctor, as well. Uh, great to see many people have started sharing it, and uh, we have reached more than 15 over shares. Thank you, thank you. It will reach out to more people, and you can also listen to our podcast in Spotify and Apple Podcasts. All you need to do is just type copy with Vance in podcast or Apple Podcasts in Spotify. Um, you can actually listen to all these audios uh, there, and Today with me, spending almost about one hour, is Dr. S.H. Wong, uh, psychiatrist and aviation medicine physician. He should be resting, um, but he has allocated one hour for Kobe with Vance and for me and for our viewers. Thank you so much, doctor, uh, on the topic of when sleep doesn't come. Doctor, before we end the show, any tip of the iceberg, any advice you want to give to our viewers? Oh, tip of the iceberg. Mm. Get good hygiene in your sleep. And keep it regular. <laughs> Thank you, doctor. It's been a great pleasure um, to share the in-depth of insomnia. I know uh, what you have shared was just maybe 5 or 10%, maybe probably only 3%. There's more to it. And I know you can go for hours and hours and hours. But unfortunately, the time doesn't allow us. I think this is very important, that whatever that you covered, I think this is very important for people are going through. Uh, definitely people who are having some kind of difficulties, help is definitely not judged or not labeled. 
um, if your loved ones are going through any kind of symptom or sign, like what Dr. S.H. Wong has said, you can approach help and that's perfectly fine. Thank you, doctor. Thank you so much. We're definitely going to have to catch up for a coffee, yeah? Because we haven't had a coffee. So, kopi with Benz. Ons. <laughs> Not beer. Unfortunately, the, the podcast is called <laughs> Kopi with Benz. I would love to have <laughs> We can, in, we, we, can, we can have Guinness. I uh, can pretend it's coffee. You know, it looks the same color. <laughs> Thank you, Doctor. Thank you so much. And we will catch you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you so much. So that was uh, Dr. S.H. Wong. Um, great doctor, uh, a psychiatrist, and also an aviation medicine physician um, to come in on board with Kopi Events. It's my great pleasure to have him. I'm sure you have learned something. Um, I think the very important key key points today, like what Dr. S.H. Wong has said, is the sign and symptoms of your loved one that is going through. Stress can be a killer. Um, burnout can be a killer. Anxiety and depression we talked about can lead to insomnia. There's so many things. You can get insomnia first and because of depression and anxiety, it can be vice versa. But I think we need to turn inward. Sometimes we need to check ourselves what is wrong with us. But time to time, we are, we are not doing that. But it's time to time, it's perfectly fine to do a reality check on us. And, and today's topic has given us so much of in-depth of information from Dr. S.H. Wong, where he talked about you know, the signs and symptoms and medicines and so much. Uh, in the medical science, probably I, you heard me saying this many a time, but we are evolving. We are learning. We are improving. You know, the scientists are just keep on. Uh, uh, research is still keep on going in the human life. Uh, but there's so much varieties to be looked upon. Um, I hope you have enjoyed my show today at Kopi with Vance. And I really enjoyed it hosting the show because I learned something. I'm sure you learned as well. So do follow us. It's every Wednesday, 9 p.m. But uh, due to certain hosting programs that I'm doing, now our Kopi with Vance has come in like every two weeks once instead of weekly. But you can actually listen all the podcasts. Uh, probably it's more than 200 podcasts over the past uh, three years of uh, health podcasts. Help is there. Go and get it. It's perfectly fine. Nobody's going to judge. Nobody's going to feel stigma, right? It's your body. It's your health. You need to take charge of it. If you do need help, information is here. Go and approach it. If you need to talk to someone, go and approach it. Get a loved one who is able to help you if you're going through difficult times. Difficult times doesn't stay with you forever. They are here to just test you but sometimes if you are not able to handle it that's perfectly fine um, we are not experts we are all at, at, at least we are human beings we are but sometimes we have this ego you know we, we, we find that hey you know what I'm perfectly fine until you know some strategy we need to have that so I'll catch you again on the next topic which is upcoming which we'll be advertising it uh, in our social medias, in Instagram and Facebook, LinkedIn and YouTube. I'm going to say adios amigos, but before that, to all the viewers who are watching and commented and asked questions, and as great thanks and appreciation to Dr. S.H. Wong for spending his one hour with us. Thank you. Have a lovely sleep. Have a good dreams. Enjoy yourself and be kind and become yourself. This is your Vance, Kopi Vance. Adios, amigos.